It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My very special guest today is Bruce Shear, CEO of InspireYourBuyers.com. I've known Bruce for the better part of three decades as he embarked on his international career the same way that I did, by an ISEC internship. We first met in Singapore in the early 1990s and were introduced by the beloved Dean of Oregon's Business School, Dr. James Reinman. Recently, a colleague asked Bruce, what's your why? And after some deep soul searching coupled with constructive outside perspective, Bruce was able to land on his why to inspire others to inspire others. Just wow. Bruce's work with thousands of B2B leaders, sellers, and marketers, helping them inspire their buyers. It's been a source of immense personal joy for Bruce as the role he's played can be characterized as sales and marketing enablement. Bruce has achieved this for business, product, sales, and marketing leaders and the organizations they serve for many of the world's largest global businesses, including Microsoft, Oracle, HP, Citibank, and McKesson. Bruce just recently released his newest book, Inspire Your Buyers, Go to Market with a Story That Sizzles, which has truly had a major inspiration for me. Bruce achieved both an undergraduate business degree and an MBA from the University of Oregon and currently lives on an island somewhere in Puget Sound in Washington State. Bruce Shear, welcome into the corner office. Excellent. Thanks, Brant. Glad to be here. Uh, great to have you. And we got a chance to connect about a month or so ago where I got a chance to read your book. It was a wonderful birthday present. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, gosh, just incredibly inspirational. And I can't wait to ask you a few more questions so that we can get some dialogue going, going on that. But uh, I want to start, you know, a little bit with our background together. Gosh, we met, oh, I hate to say it, almost 30 years ago in the market of Singapore. Tell me a little bit about uh, how you found me, because I think that's how things transpired. Oh, it totally transpired and uh, shall not be forgotten for the rest of my life, Brant. But um, so, Brant, uh, I went to University of Oregon like you, and I, I went there twice, undergrad and grad, and I befriended the, the dean of the business school. And when he knew that I was moving out to Singapore, he said, hey, you've got to talk to Brant Handley. And at the time, I had co-founded a chapter of ISEC. And it's an association that's global designed to place students in foreign countries and internships, paid internships. And uh, interestingly enough, I designed a paid internship for myself in Singapore and went out there. And the dean said, yeah, make sure to talk to Brandt. 
So I went out there, fresh, newly minted MBA. Um, and gosh, I got this guy named Brant to meet up with. So I, I reached out to you and you, you gracefully <laughs> said, yeah, sure, Bruce, we can meet. And um, I, I was just enamored. You know, you were, you were the real deal. You were building out Disney consumer products across Asia Pacific, which I thought was just amazing, you know, with your entrepreneurial spirit and, and just the, the fast track nature of that opportunity. You were just killing it. And for me, just as a, a newly minted student here, you know, or grad, I, I, I was just uh, amazed. And so just gratefully, you, you know, took me under your wing, invited me to parties, uh, you know, just uh, showed me the way things worked. And, and I really appreciate it, Brand. We, we hung out there in Singapore for uh, several years. We did. We yeah. did indeed. Well, thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate those kind words. And you know, I have to tell you, someone that looks you up after having come around halfway around the world and finds you, you take that very seriously. And I was so impressed with your background and the fact that we had uh, Dean Reimuth in, co in common from Oregon just made things all the more sweet and uh, had a wonderful time tracking your career up into the most recent conversations we've had about your wonderful book. And uh, as I said, we're going to get to that in a minute, but really like to kind of start this podcast and understand a little bit about some of the foundational things that, you know, influenced you and inspired you as you continue to grow, you know, as a young kid into a, a wonderful, successful uh, older adult. So tell us a little bit about those early years. What's your early family life was like, parents, siblings? Where did you grow up? Oh gosh, where did I grow up? I, I grew up in in the world, but uh, starting off in the United States. <laughs> uh, funny enough, born in Vail, Oregon, town of a thousand. Um, literally, you know, smaller population than most cruise ships. Um, but spent, uh, you know, kind of grade school years there. Uh, moved over to Eugene. I was a product of a divorced, uh, uh, you know, husband and wife. And uh, boy, did that shake everything up. So uh, my mom took three of the kids, three out of five, and we move, moved over to Eugene, Oregon, where she rebooted her whole career. And uh, man, oh man, do I have respect for that woman. But um, so she, brought us along, entered University of Oregon in the master's program, wrote a book, um, taught, um, just did everything she could to, to advance herself, as well as, you know, paying acute attention to three kids, three needy kids, products of a divorce, I might remind everybody. And um, she just did a, a powerful job. And uh, so we lived in Eugene for a while. I went up to Albany, Oregon, where my mom uh, truly invented a role for herself. She was the music supervisor for the school district of Albany, Oregon. Wow. And Brant, just a month ago, uh, a former senator of Oregon, I had lunch with him, and, and he actually helped my mom land that position. It was, you know, he loved music, knew my mom loved music. She had a master's in music and wanted kids to have that experience across the whole whole city of Albany, Oregon. And then after that, uh, boy, budgetary concerns, et cetera. Uh, she, um, became a principal, went back to school, got a, a, a degree in administration, a doctorate, became a principal, and then lo and behold, uh, awarded, you know, one of the best principals in the nation by President Reagan at the time. So, boy, what a role model. And then my dad was a doctor and all, all my brothers and sisters, you know, all five of us have been entrepreneurial one way or another. So there's been a bit of a theme of bootstrapping and figuring it out and, you know, taking advantage of setbacks and, you know, you know, 
<laughs> it's just been a, a total life story for all of us. Well, it sounds like your mother and your father, but I'm sure living with your mom in Eugene and then Albany had a super influence, you know, in those early days. What, what were some of the things that inspired you most about her and her path at that time? No, just, uh, just her, her, uh, dedication and, uh, people have claimed this about me, Brant, but I, I guess the key word would be drive, you know, where she, um, just managed, uh, you know, on all different fronts, family, you know, she was president of rotary, you know, just, uh, she was just out there, but intensely present wherever she was. So, um, to me, she, she's probably one of the most uh, inspiring leaders I, I've ever been associated with. Even after she retired, Brandt, I go into her room and she's got a stack of books on leadership. And I'm like going, hey, mom, you know, you're kind of retired. <laughs> What's going on here? But she, she was just a lifelong learner and, and, you know, all into growth. And she definitely had kind of an outward mindset meaning it wasn't all about her, you know, as a president or as a principal at the time, she used to say, Hey, it's all about the kids. And and that used to help get everybody into alignment, teachers and all the parents, all the other stakeholders, you know, her North star was the kids. And, you know, she really create created alignment and unification around that. So just learned so much from her. That's awesome. That. Were you a pretty good student yourself in school, elementary, secondary, getting into high school? Uh, it might be Brent, how you define good student. Um, <laughs> how would I, you define I, it, Bruce? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, by, by the numbers, I graduated from uh, Klamath Falls, um, Klamath Union High School with a 2.46. And Brant, I had to petition to get into University of Oregon at the time. I think I needed a 2.75. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's kind of cute and funny, but I, I was good at uh, extracurricular activities. I wasn't really good at doing homework and passing in assignments. On tests, I always scored well. Um, but, you know, going through the rigor of, of school, not so good. Even as an undergrad, come back to uh, MBA level once I, Bruce grew up, I was on the dean's list. You know, right. so I mean, the 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 intellect was there, but the the passion for other things kind of took over in in my early school school days. What were some of those things you're most passionate about outside of school? Oh my goodness, um, yeah, definitely partying. To just to be frank and honest, um, you know, women partying, you know, just having a good time. My buddies, um, you know, were, were intensely important to me. The relationships I had. Um, but also I had a lovely time doing sports, uh, for the schools I was at, Th that was certainly enjoyable and was passionate about that. Um, and then also I've always, you know, my mom taught us all quite early, Hey, you got to kind of pay, pay your own way here. You know, life isn't just a cakewalk. So I, I pretty much always had some sort of a job or, or side hustle, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, my whole you know, for, from, since I was probably, you know, first grade, you know, she was, you know, having us deliver papers and everything else. Did some of those include, yeah, some entrepreneurial things uh, other than paper route? What other types of uh, things did you pursue? Yeah. Uh, entrepreneurially, this was pretty fun. Um, down in Southern Oregon, we, we had a business called Gelled Wynn and, uh, the Wynn family, the Wentz, um, gosh, he, he was, uh, kind of like a Rhinemouth, you know, not, publicly out there, but just wealthy beyond means. 
and um, you know, just through sh- seriously smart business decisions. But I, I went to work for uh, the head of international sales, and he was on the executive committee. I reached out to him. His name was Ken, and I just go, "Hey, you know, I, I I'm looking for some work. I was hoping you might need a, a sharp consultant to help you figure some things out." And he goes, "Yeah, Bruce, uh, the Philippines." how do I sell, sell more doors, wooden doors into the Philippines? <laughs> and uh, j- just, just threw me on a little goose chase. It was super fun. Uh, and that's before, you know, this realm of AI that you and I have talked about, et cetera. I had to do some hardcore research by picking up the phone and talking to people in the Philippines. Right. And uh, the, the reception wasn't good. Hey, we don't need pre-manufactured doors. We, we make them by hand out here, buddy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're a hell of a lot nicer than the things you, you guys would be sending our direction. So I came back to him with a little bit of bad news, but it, it just things like that, Brent, I was always trying to figure out, you know, angles also funny enough to, to consult and, and, and have, uh, you know, side gigs versus the main thing. What were some of those outside jobs you had? Well, th- this one in in particular, um, I was re- really, really enjoyed. Um, even for Rhinemouth, um, you know, at University of Oregon, I, I picked up a little side job for him uh, where I was the program coordinator for the Indonesian students that came to University of Oregon in, in a, a newly formed joint master's in business program. And um, so, gosh, you know, I, I had a full budget, a Scooby-Doo bus that we could run around with on the weekend. <laughs> and I, I made sure that uh, these Indonesian students had uh, some serious memories uh, about coming to University of Oregon. I'm still friends with them today. That's awesome. Was it clear that you'd go to college? Did, did mom and dad have that expectation for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, funny. Before the show, I was reflecting on that a little bit, Brant. My dad tried to talk me out of going to college. Really? You know, he, he, yeah, he knew my party spirit and uh, said, hey, Bruce, if I was you, or he didn't say Bruce, he said, son, if I was <laughs> you, I would head over to Maui. I'd get a job in a restaurant or a bar at Lahaina and um and just party your brains out and just have the time of your life if i was in your shoes that's what i'd be doing right now and sadly brant kind of wished i would have listened to him but I- <laughs> was his expectation you'd get it out of your system bruce yeah totally totally <laughs> but, but here's my comeback brant that you'll probably enjoy knowing that we share u of o together i said dad why would i go to lahaina and party my brains out when i can do the same thing at university of oregon <laughs> And, and at the time, Brant, it was Playboy's <laughs> top 10 party school in the nation. So, uh, and, and very deservingly so. So um, I literally started my party uh, educational experience at U of O and, and with no regrets. But I, uh, Brant, I knew I was going to U of O even when I was going to grade school. I finished grade school in Eugene. And I literally played football on Autzen Stadium on, on, on the turf out there. I was a center, believe it or not, at the time. The, this is way back when, sixth grade. I, I right. grew up faster than others. Um, but literally, I just, I felt that. And, and I've, my mom supported uh, the U of O Ducks. I always paid for me and my brother and sister to go to games. And I kind of grew up with that. U of O was non-negotiable for me. I was going to right. U of O there. I was going to college there. What do you think you took away from your time at Oregon, not just undergrad, but also master's? If you had to kind of look back and say, you know, beyond the partying and the great time you've had, which was wonderful, (laughs) you know, what were, what were some of the silver linings? Yeah, uh, truly the relationships, um, 
absolutely. My, my 1982 uh, dorm buddies, we still get together mm. every summer. We have a reunion. Um, I host, um, you know, a, a, a Zoom session every, every Sunday where and whoever can make it shows up. And, dude, that just uh, stems all the way back from 1982 when we were all in the dorms together. You know, that proximity, that experience, it's almost like probably like boot camp, which I've never experienced, but I, I would imagine it's similar. You know, we're all in the same situation, learning and growing from each other. And I, I had the beautiful opportunity of doing that twice, both as an undergrad and also as a grad student back to U of O with all the MBA students coming in. I'm still in touch with them as well, Brian you know, after all these years. So uh, they're in, in touch with, from a business standpoint, from a social standpoint, number of different dimensions. So that's, so that's what I appreciate. And I appreciate those relationships in my life anyways. Now, did you work in between undergraduate and your MBA or did you do them back to back? Yeah, yeah. Somebody, oh, I think... Uh, Oh, one of my mentors, uh, professors at U of O had said to me, hey, you know, get out of here. You know, don't don't keep going to school because at the time they had a four one program where you could go to school for four years and you could out of here and have your MBA. But he said, no, don't do it. Don't be tempted. Go work and then come back to the MBA program. You'll have way more to you'll, you'll learn more because you'll know, you know, you'll bring in all the mistakes that you made in the past and you'll have basic level understanding, something to build upon versus just studying textbooks and going through emotion. And I'm really glad he gave me that advice. It, it was powerful. So I did work for a couple of years up in Seattle. Uh, again, back to my theme, my, my career choice of consulting. I was consulting up here for radio stations and doing a lot of the research work for radio stations at the time before heading back to, to U of O. Got it. So that was your first job out and uh, yeah. out of undergrad. Mm -hmm. Did you have some leadership responsibilities? Were you more of an individual contributor in those first jobs? Uh, yeah, first job was more individual contributor uh, uh, with, within a team uh, doing that type of work. But I, I um, it was interesting. I had to lead contractors, and these were a research agencies designed to do a field research collection and, and compile results and analysis and give us the inputs that we needed to build upon to bring that back into recommendations for our clients. So I uh, managed a lot of subcontract a, 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 uh, subcontractors, these agencies, uh, which was a bit of a chore. I had to learn about leadership and influence and motivation mm -hmm. um, early on in that capacity through, through you know, the partners that I was working with uh, as opposed to direct reports. Yeah, got it. Terrific. And then went back to get your uh, grad degree. And and what was that first job coming out of uh, with your MBA? Yeah, I, actually out to Singapore. And uh, yeah. man, did I get lucky. Um, I worked for a Singaporean multinational company called Times Publishing. Now, was they that with had, the ISEC internship then? That that was, yeah. yeah. yeah and they had a, um, but then I just rolled that into a full-time position, Brant, you know, yeah. quickly and just made more money, et cetera. But the, uh, the fun part of it all is uh, my, my boss's boss's boss. I started uh, running with him and his boss, the CEO of this multinational corporation. Wow. And I just started, you know, just having fun networking with the right people. Brent, I'm sure you probably had uh, the same experience at that time, but an Indonesian person had mentioned to me, he's now one of the leaders of one of Indo Indonesia's banks. But he said at the time I had the right coolification. 
I had the right, <laughs> I had the right skin color when I was out there. And so I got welcomed into this one running group and just one thing led to another and they gave me part, uh, part of their business to run. And it was the seminars part of their business. So I represented university of California, Berkeley, a uh, guy named, um, Al, Al Nirenberg, he had the Art of Negotiation programs, and then another organization called Time Manager International, or T, they became TMI, where I started doing a lot of the organizational development consulting at that point in time through this through this division of Times Publishing. So that that was awesome. At an early stage, I had general manager and and sales responsibility for the for this unit. Loved it. And how many years did you spend in Singapore? Oh man, uh, I, I lost a decade out there. I, wow. I went out there for two years and stayed for ten. Uh, the only <laughs> thing that shook me free was the Asian crisis, and it shouldn't have. But and then my dad, my dad got colon cancer, and I started thinking about man, he might not be around very much longer. And so I wanted to repatriate and be closer to home uh, at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, terrific. And met your bride out there, or or did you meet in Oregon beforehand? No, we're, we're both ducks and, and we've got three little ducklings. Uh, uh, <laughs> actually, they're big little ducklings now. But um, uh, no, I met her at U of O. And, and Brant, I, I tell people she's the reason I'm not, I, I, I left the dean's list. And uh, I also <laughs> was, I had a concurrent master's going with Asian studies. And then I dropped that and decided to study her because she was Asian. And I, I think that's, <laughs> that's a good substitute. I love that. Oh, it was. It, it, was yeah and I, I learned a lot about her and yeah we've we've been together ever ever since yeah years and years and years you came back to the states then and uh, continued a consulting career when did you go out on your own oh back in 2000 um and brant it's kind of funny uh, my brother um his law firm was changing and they wanted to do higher you know uh more billable work at a higher billable rate so they really wanted to get into more business consulting as a law firm from a legal angle. And that's what their consultants told them to do. You'll get higher rates and make more money, be more profitable if you do this type of legal work versus that. And my brother, sadly, was in the that category. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they were saying, hey, dude, you got to kind of change your ways. And at the time, he decided, you know, there's a hell of a lot of money in the way I'm doing things right now. So he started to talk to me about going out on his own and starting his own firm. And I, I, I was giving him all this advice and then just really hit me kind of hard. I'm like going, why in the hell am I not out on my own? You know, I'm giving all this advice to him on how to do it. I got to, you know, follow my own advice. And so, and then I did, I got the courage up and did the same thing he did literally the same year brand. And so ever since then, we both had our own businesses. That's awesome. And how did you start? Were you uh, consulting in more of the strategy area? Did you go right into sales and business development? You know, what kind of was your expertise in those early days? Yeah, it, well, I started as a kind of a consultant employee doing go-to-market consulting. And then uh, when I wanted to repatriate, I looked at uh, the, the firms that were doing it the best in the United States. And funny enough, one of them was doing uh, based in Seattle, where I'd already lived and already had friends and network family. And um, so I uh, talked to them and I'm still in touch with those guys today, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, just came in and joined them uh, as part of my employeeship. And that's during the dot com um, boom. 
and we were losing our staff left and right. And I became a, a senior consultant to running the whole West Coast practice just uh -huh. literally overnight, probably within a year of starting. And, and that's when it kind of hit me. I, you know, man, I can do this and start my own firm. And uh, so I, I went out on my own. And when I went out on my own, the stuff I was most passionate about doing was kind of go to market strategy from a, a sales and marketing perspective. And that was, you know, just helping people go to market with the right story, the right strategy, uh, and, and helping sellers get out and, and drive business around this new market opportunity. And then also working with their partners to do so. So that was my focus. And then we went into the dot-com crash brand. And that's where I took a bunch of my skill around pricing, mm. setting utility-based pricing. At one point in time, I did that for a bunch of H HP uh, software solutions that were coming to market. And um, I, I really saw an opportunity, a seam in the world around creating ROI calculators for sellers so that, you know, because during the dot-com crash, you, you weren't selling anything unless you had a business value proposition that right. was, that was uh, substantial and quantifiable. Uh, otherwise people just weren't making budget for stuff like that. And all my, all my clients, these leaders of marketing going, Bruce, I'd love to hire you if I still have a job, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just a rough world. So I started this ROI selling practice, which has done really well all these years later. It's, it's still going quite well. And uh, you focus mostly on tech companies, Bruce, or yeah, down across yeah. the gamut? Yeah. Well, no, I, I do uh, mostly tech companies just because I'm a kind of a tech geek and understand right. tech and, and love it. Uh, however, I do go off tech. You know, I, I built a story for Corn Ferry, uh, probably in your world a little bit, Brant, um, working with their CEO and, and exec co on, um, you know, their go-to-market story. And, and he was making tons of acquisitions, needed some help there. Uh, so I, uh, Bank of the West, I've done work there. So I, I do go off tech and I even do pro bono work as well, Brant, that would be off tech. A lot of the principles and, and deliverables that, that my firm creates, you know, are, go cross vertical. But, you know, our, our strike zone is really tech because that's probably where they need us the most. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Well, I'd love to now talk about your book. You know, you were so kind and, you know, everybody kind of gets the LinkedIn message when the birthdays come up. And I have to tell you how many happy birthdays I get from people. I have no idea who they are, oh boy. but you know, you did something very unique this last year and it was so wonderful. Not only did you send me happy birthday, you sent me your book, inspire your buyers, go to market with a story that sizzles. And uh, I happened to receive it and had it forwarded to me, not from just Santa Barbara, but Santa Barbara to Connecticut, then to France, where I happened to be during oh, the summer. And I received it on the day I was going into a doctor's office, as one does, one waits for a while. And I literally read the book in one sitting. And I was so excited because for the first time, I read a go-to-market book that wasn't about screaming out to the world, you know, what, what your advantage is. It's about really understanding your client's problems and leading with that. How did you come to that, Bruce? Because it's, you know, not a strategy that a lot of people really understand. Oh boy. I, uh, so this really builds upon my uh, career, but, um, I started, uh, you know, in 2000, I was doing, um, Gosh, positioning and messaging for all the Microsoft products and solutions across the education sector. I just, uh, again, I found a seam, you know, where they, you know, all the product marketing people at Microsoft and brand marketing, et cetera, they were doing a great job creating broad messaging 
but they weren't doing a great job at doing vertical specific. And that's where I just found an opportunity. Hey, we need to recalibrate how we speak to the education market because, you know, they're not commercial, they're not corporate, they're education, they're, you know, not for profit. And, um, so anyways, they, they allowed me to come in. I did that for a few years. Hewlett Packard, um, again, got lucky with, with uh, doing a lot of client work, a lot of positioning and messaging across their whole consulting and integration division. Every single practice area, they allowed me to do that. So I just learned a ton. And then, and then uh, Microsoft and HP had a lot of go-to-market partners, large system integrators. And um, that also created a need for, for new messaging, a new story. So I'd work with Microsoft and CSC at the time. They're now called DXC. My, uh, Microsoft and Unisys, you know, j just different partnerships and helping these partners go to market together. So um, that book is really a culmination of a lot of my work. And, and it just kind of hit me that, you know, most organizations, they go to market, but they don't have a narrative. Right. And, and now there's a term for it. There wasn't at the time when I was doing it, but they call it a strategic narrative. It's not a once upon a time story. It's just kind of what is our story? What, what are we all about? But what I learned is um, you don't show up and talk about yourself, <laughs> which most do. Right. You know, it, Branch, just the other day, a founder of a, a, a you know, a startup reached out to me. Uh, you know, I've got CEO as part of my title, so I'm kind of a target for all these guys. But he reaches out on LinkedIn going, Bruce, you're going to be so excited. I can't wait to show you what we've built. When can we schedule a, a demo? <laughs> And, uh, you know, for me, mentally, I, I process that with one word, never. I'm not spending my time so he can kind of, you know, show me something shiny and new that, right. that he fell in love with. Sounds like a business prospect for you, probably more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, so a lot of people, they, they kind of hear what I have to say and go, wow, you know, that's not you know, that insightful. And, and, uh, you know, my, my quip back is, yeah, it's deceptively simple, but it's mastered by few. And I rarely, rarely see it out in the wild. Hmm. Fully agree. Fully agree. I have it so often with my client base too. And I ask them about, you know, kind of their go-to-market strategy and who they are and so proud of all the things they do. And, you know, <laughs> they're suffering because they either can't keep people or they're not growing in the way they do. And um, I, I'm going to start inspiring, you know, giving this book to many of my future CEO <laughs> clients because it's just got so many good, you know, uh, recommendations and just a different way of thinking about how to go about, you know, going out there. And it's, it's just not about talking about yourself. It's really understanding what the problem is with your clients. It's, it's funny, Brent. No, I'm, I'm glad that you want to share it with CEOs. I, I just did with one last week and uh, we signed a contract together yesterday, but you know, one of my ambitions was, <laughs> you know, um, Hey, you know, I want to, package a lot of what I've got. Cause I, you know, very often, you know, entrepreneurs will reach out to me and find out about me or old, old UVO alums. And, you know, they show up and when they hear my price tag, they're gulp, you know, and then, you know, you know, it, you know, they, they think about robbing their kids, you know, college fund <laughs> to try to you know, hire me. Uh, but I, I created the book as kind of a standalone asset uh, for, for folks, you know, cause it's got a lot of wisdom. It's got the right questions to ask to help 
formulate, you know, truly what is your story, story that'll sizzle. And I just sent it to a, week, uh, a CEO last week. He read it over the weekend. We met on, uh, on Tuesday, signed contract yesterday. And, and it's kind of fun because he knows what it's all about, the importance of it, and um, know, knows what we're going to be doing together and figuring this out and, and getting a story that sizzles. And uh, so I'm, I'm, it, it's all working. It, it's really beautiful. Do you want to, if you had to kind of just give us the, you know, the quick two minute pitch on what you think the best benefit is for this book, what, who is it targeted for? Who can it help the most? Yeah, the, the problem, you know, I'll just follow my own model, Brant, you know, I, you know, there's five key components of my model. It's target the right buyers. You know, everything starts there because that's where your story begins, you know, with, with that buyer. So you got to figure out, you know, what's my target organization? What are their characteristics, business characteristics, operational character, characteristics? What other signals would they be sending that they, they are a, a suitable prospect for the value you can bring them? So it starts there. The second component of the model is, um, you know, uh, help, you know, spotlight the problem. So, uh, you know, I talk about shining a spotlight and, you, you know, when you have a spotlight that's shining on something, everything else is dark and what that spotlight is on really amplifies it and makes it so darn clear. So that's what I call spotlighting the problem. That's the second component of, of this narrative structure. The third component of it is really helping to envision the desired outcome. And that's a little counterintuitive because most people go, you know, hey, don't you follow the problem with the solution you can bring them to solve the problem? I go, no, no, not yet. <laughs> not <laughs> no, yet. Right. Yeah, hold, hold on there, trigger. You know, we'll get there. Um, but no, help that buyer envision, hey, what's life like when that problem goes to away? And then you start getting the benefits that, that are possible. What's that look like? What's it feel like? What's that going to do for you in, in your career? You know, so really coming to terms with that with your buyer, what's that envisioned outcome? And then from there, and it, you know, only if you got the problem anchored and you've anchored on that desired outcome, then and only then, now it's time to talk about the solution. And then I call that showcasing the solution. So how do you show off your solution in a way that doesn't overwhelm, where you don't, you know, bore someone with the, the features, functions, and, and little mini benefits? How can you talk about and, and visualize the solution in their mind so, so they, it, it's easy to grasp and understand and they've got confidence, yeah, I think that's going to work for us. And then here's the one that's really the kicker. This is the fifth element in the model. And that's prescribed next steps. Hmm. Probably just like a good doctor, you know, when they meet with, when you meet with them, if they're good, they're going to prescribe things for you to do so you can get better. And, and that's what I do at scale. You know, one story, Brant, I had a, probably my most stressful project in my career was working on an initiative for Mark Hurd when he was CEO of HP and Steve Ballmer when he was CEO of Microsoft. They wanted to go to market together and uh, they, they each decided to throw in together $375 million to make that happen and come up with some joint go-to-market programs. And my firm was engaged to help them shape those, the, those solution domains and those programs. So we identified eight, 
And for each one of those solution domains, I made all the product leaders create next steps mm. as part of their narrative. You know, what would that, you know, these were uh, at the time multi-million dollar decisions or in big bets for their buyers. So before they just go, yeah, sure, you know, send me a contract, I'll sign it. You know, it, it was way more than that. You know, hey, we need to do an assessment. We need to, you know, talk to, you know, references and have some proof of the value. We need to have a business case. We need to have internal alignment before we buy. So we, we created a lot of different next steps that we could share in that narrative. So that buyer knew how they were going to buy, you know, we left nothing to chance. And as a result of that, we won HP's marketing circle award for that year. You know, we had over a 50% connect rate of buyers signing deals after they heard that narrative and went through that process. Incredible. Great. Yeah, stuff. absolutely incredible. When, when, when this stuff is applied, it totally works. <laughs> it's good stuff. Bruce, where can our listeners find your book? Amazon, the typical places? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They can go to Amazon, inspire your buyers, go to market with a story that sizzles. Uh, I've got some other best-selling books as well that I've had the honor to be associated with. Um, that's all on my website, our, our website, I should say, inspireyourbuyers.com forward slash books, uh, or reach out to me directly. Um, and, and I'd love to get you a copy. Awesome. Another book coming soon. Yeah. 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 In 2024. Yeah. Inspire your buyers, go to market with a sales conversation that sizzles. Fantastic. So you know, the story's awesome, but the, also there's art to the conversation. I know you as a professional podcast host know that, you know, it takes two to tangle, you know, having engaging dialogues is, you know, incredibly powerful. Got a lot of experience in helping sellers have selling conversations that, that sizzle. That's what the next book will be about, Brent. Can't read. Can't wait to read that book. Perhaps it'll be my uh, 2024 birthday present. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's about the right timing. Yeah, you got it. Thanks. Bruce, we're we're just about out of time, but we always ask our guests one last question, and that's lastly, what career and life advice would you give to someone who maybe has their eyes on their own corner office someday, or like yourself, wants to be an entrepreneur, setting up their own business? What would you tell them? Boy, um, you know, take advantage of what life uh, throws at you. Uh, you know, one of my biggest uh, principles, Brant, is just thinking about, hey, there's no bad change. You know, and I think I formulated this even back in our Singapore days, um, you know, because, you know, I've always been associated with change. I've either created it or, or you know, quote unquote, been a victim of it, <laughs> but not for long, you know, because, you know, whatever life throws at you, uh, take advantage of it, you know, reflect on it and, and ju just look for the opportunity and in, in, in what you have and what, what's going on. And uh, that's what's happened to me and helped me create this very unique career. I don't know very many other people out there in the world that do what I do, but I've taken advantage of, of the transitions in my life to, to kind of find my lane and zone and, and be good at it. So I, I, that's what I would advise. Just take advantage of, of, of the changes that come your way. Bruce Shear, CEO of InspireYourBuyers.com, and most recently book, uh, book release, Inspire Your Buyers, Go to a Market with a Story That Sizzles. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brant. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. 
For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the Mighty Middle Market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.